0: This is the Lancaster School District Podcast, School Buzz. Uh, This is our Looking Forward podcast uh, because we've had a lot going on in the last few days. Uh, Dr. Michelle Bowers is the guest today, and I'm the host, Rebecca Cooksey. Uh, We had our schools shut down on March 13th for almost all of L.A. County and a stay-at-home order until March 30th. We plan to come back to school on April 6th. And then the stay-at-home order was extended to April 30th and now May 15th. So this has been a really crazy, crazy time in our district and I, every place else in the state and the country. And I was yeah. just wondering, uh, how are you feeling, Michelle?
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's a wonderful Wednesday, Rebecca. It's a wonderful Wednesday. Thank goodness the sun is out and it's, it's just a beautiful day as we fly into spring. Short of that, it's just been... Somewhat crazy. Um, But I feel that we are very fortunate in that we have a team of committed individuals throughout the district that are really stepping up to do whatever it takes to make sure that we are quickly transitioning to a distance or remote learning platform our families and that's not been easy there's a lot of work involved
0: it's been a, a roller coaster just you know well, getting
1: no first hand because you've been right at the forefront with the technology <laughs> demands that's for sure yeah i told them um, quite a few right
0: <laughs> <laughs> i told the teachers group that when they first came in and we were talking about distance learning i said this is the moment i've been living for all my life
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I bet you didn't think you would have all the moments all at the same time though. exactly
0: exactly <laughs> So in this time of great change, uh, how are you getting information from the state and the county and other districts? Because I know that's important.
1: It is important. Unfortunately, fortunately, um, we are not alone in kind of charting or going finding our way in this uncharted territory. So everyone is really doing what we need to do to stay connected, to communicate, to share information, to share resources, to share ideas to ask questions because none of us have the answers. Uh, We are kind of learning as we go through this together. And um, as far as access to various agencies, we are getting support and information and updates on a regular basis from the state, so California Department of Education, State Superintendent's Office, Tony Thurman's Office, uh, Los Angeles County Office of Education, as well as the federal government and the Department of Education at that level. So we're getting lots of information pushed to us through those entities. Now, outside of those entities, we also have professional educational uh, agencies or organizations. So we have AXA, and uh, that's the Association of California School Administrators. We also have the California School Boards Association. And what makes this nice is that sometimes there's a different uh, opinion or guidance that's presented based on a different perspective so I have uh the great pleasure of going through probably oh I don't know 500 emails a day (laughs) trying, (laughs) trying to keep up with all of this information because it's changing so rapidly but uh rest assured there is not a shortage of information we just don't have a lot of answers because we continue to see the the numbers growing um, and we continue to, to see new challenges that we're
0: facing. Yeah, I was on a, a Google for Education seminar mm-hmm. this week, and it was just people across the state, and it was interesting to see how other districts were responding to the same challenges we have and, and just right. getting different perspectives. So I think that's really great that we can kind of come together apart um, online right. and get, get information from what other people are doing and get ideas from each other because it's so mm-hmm. different right
1: now. It is. It's very different. Um, And the thing to remember, I think that's really good. It's good that everyone's sharing. Uh, However, we all have to remember that what's good for one may not necessarily be good for us here because we have different needs. We we are a unique community. We have different needs. So getting those good ideas and then Basically, determining based on the population that we serve, based on our staff needs, and level of technology literacy for both the families as well as us, as well as access and internet. Um, What different communities do may not be a best fit for Lancaster, uh, but then there may be some things that we can glean from some of the good practices that they're putting in place for their communities as well.
0: And I like hearing what other people are doing because I think, oh, I, I didn't think about that. Let me put that in the plan or um, share it with somebody else and see if that's a possibility for us. Even though we've made some really good strides, I think you know for our, we've our made kids, we
1: wonderful strides. But you're absolutely correct. There's not one agency or individual that has all the answers. So that's the thing that I learned very quickly along the way is be a good listener. Because none of us has all of the answers, that's for sure. And there's something out there that you can say, ah, hadn't thought of that piece uh, to make sure that we're improving what we're already doing.
0: So we're going to start with the positives first. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so, what would you say has been positive during this time?
1: Well, you know, interestingly enough, uh, and it's funny that you wanted to start with that because it's thank goodness that, you know, it's so easy to focus getting lost in the craziness and all of the, the anxiety and frustration that we're feeling. But there are a few positives that have come out of this, and I will say one of them being that we have worked very closely with our teachers to develop uh, what I believe is a very robust remote learning platform to support our students and families. And that is not something that we had in place. It's not that it wasn't a priority, and it's not that it wasn't what you live for, Rebecca, because I know it's what you live for. <laughs> But, uh, given everything else that happens on a day to day occurrence under normal circumstances, the remote learning platform is not been a priority right but now that we're thrown into this new environment, it is absolutely uh, not only a priority, it's our livelihood. it's how we are surviving, and something that we are really depending on so I think, though, it's been uh, very hectic trying to get to this point. That has been a positive, is that it's forced us to really build a good foundation for a very robust remote learning platform.
0: And I um, I, I think the teachers have done a really great job of coming together and forming those, those groups. Mm-hmm. Um, Tal has been right at the table with us, coming up with ideas and best practices, and it's been really... A very cooperative practice um, which is really nice.
1: It has been. I cannot thank our teachers and our support staff enough because there's uh, again people stepping up to the plate and jumping in. All of these great ideas all of this willingness to work and put things together so that it is as organized as it possibly can be uh, is not without the efforts of a lot of people coming together so it's greatly appreciated. I would say another Positive and thinking about that, and I'm going to be the first to admit this, we have been forced to improve our technology skills.
0: (laughs) Yes, we have.
1: Yes, we have. Whether you wanted to or not. I'm still not Google certified yet, but I feel much better prepared to be Google certified than I was before this started. Uh, So there have been a lot of, uh, us. I will include myself in that, scenario that have had a very huge learning curve when it comes to utilization of technology and trying to probably catch up with some of the students that we serve because they grasp onto the, the whole technology component very quickly. But not all of us adults, we get busy with other things, so we do what we need to do to get us through, and every now and again, we get a new skill. Um, but this, I've gotten tons of new skills and new <laughs> platforms and... Different things that I'm working with now, I'm, I'm feeling pretty confident about that. So I'm sure I'm not alone in improving in my technology literacy skills.
0: And, and one of the things that we have that's so valuable are our ed tech coaches and their willingness to provide PD. You know, it's optional, you can go if you want to. Um, But Mm -hmm. they've just done really stepped up. They're starting to record those Mm -hmm. sessions so they can put them on the website and, you know, people want to see them later. They Mm -hmm. can. They've just done a really good job of supporting our teachers and helping them through a a difficult time.
1: Right, right. And, you know, the the other interesting thing is it's not just the teachers because, as we know, we are doing remote working also. So there's a lot of, of individuals that, well, individuals across the district that are working from home. Um, who've also found new ways of improving their technology skills and engaging with the community and the public and identifying these new um, resources, online resources that are available out there. So it's been, it's been quite an experience watching all of us develop in ways that we probably hadn't paid much attention to before.
0: Probably a new appreciation for IT, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Get more Christmas gifts this year. (laughs) Oh, yay! That's very true. Uh, Another positive, just a couple of other things I was thinking about, and my appreciation to all of the businesses, um, both in the Antelope Valley as well as outside and various agencies that have really um, been proactive in reaching out to support families and reaching out to support districts. And reaching out to support education in any way that they possibly can. Some large ways, some small ways, whatever they can do. I had one local company um, just contact me out of the blue and say, you know, I've got a thousand hand sanitizer little kids. Would you be interested? Absolutely. And they were kind enough to drop those off. So may not be a big thing, but but that was something that they could do that they had available, readily available. And just knowing that we are all in a new place and resources are scarce. So they they are very scarce. So we're very appreciative to that. We've had different agencies step up and give us face masks that are of assistance as we have people coming and going and working, especially our child nutrition folks. Um, and then other companies, Lockheed Martin is stepping up and, and approaching us and a sprint, I know, is stepping up with the, the internet, and we've had some other vendors that have said, hey, you can use our online resources for kids for free right?" And to get you through the end of the school year. So we're very appreciative of that because it just gives greater access to our students and to our families and to our teachers to support us all during a very crazy time that, that none of us had expected to be here uh, and we didn't really know what it would look
0: like, so right. One of the things that we needed for staff were soft phones, so they didn't have to use their own cell phone, use a different mm-hmm. number, and Google Voice stepped up with you know seven hundred lines for us, and then we got Ring Central to give us another hundred and fifty. So that just vendors being very, very proactive about supporting us, supporting kids, it's just been it's very heartwarming. It is very heartwarming,
1: and and without those types of things, I know we find ourselves. Asking question, well, how are we going to make that happen? And and my thing is, I am not sure, but we got to move in that direction. And then, <laughs> the goodness, I get a phone call or an email saying they're going to give us these, or they're going to give. So we just have to continue to move forward and um, be very thankful and appreciative that there are so many different agencies and organizations that are willing to help. And even now, still, people are saying, "What can we do to help?" We're looking for ways to help. So. That is very heartwarming, and I'm sure as we continue to work our way through this season, we will identify even more ways that we can come together and support each other. That's right. Yep. Oh, here's another. See, you got me a positive. I can stay here all day. (laughs) The the other thing, kind of a side note that I've heard from um, different families is the, the unintended, I guess, improvement in quality family time so it's not something you you get so busy you don't stop and really think about it but when you are locked in the house with the same people all the time all day and all night day in and day out um, you start to reconnect to some of those things that you used to do so they're sitting down and having family dinners together, or playing games, or engaging in conversations without technology. So they're putting the technology down, or setting it aside, or going for a walk together. Simple things uh, that are easy to escape us on a day-to-day basis because life is so hectic normally and, and so busy. And when everyone is at home, and unfortunately I know that that means in many instances, um, a lot of the adults are at home because they're not working, and, and that's, a very, that's a big challenge, and that's causing a lot of anxiety. Um, so I do understand that, and my heart goes out for those families as well. Uh, but even within that scenario, that silver lining of the gift of quality family time, is still very much appreciated by the families that I've been talking with. And
0: and even in my own family, we've been doing a lot more Zoom meetings. Um, My nephew turned 14 uh, recently, and so we did a cake decorating contest on Zoom, and he got to, to decide which one was the best one. But he lives in DC, and normally we talk maybe once a month. Now we've been scheduling a family meeting once a week and all of my kids get on. My mom, who's 84, has learned how to use Zoom and we, oh, we connect a lot more, which is we wouldn't have been doing that if we weren't in this pandemic.
1: That's true. That's true. So it's it's interesting how we resort to something. It's a tool that's been there for a while, right. but we've not leveraged it or even tapped into it to stay connected in this form or fashion. So 's been um, it's been interesting and I think that that is definitely one of those unintended positive outcomes of this period and I hope that as we find our way out of this season that people will continue to stay as connected as, as they are yeah now so so that's a good that is a good thing
0: <laughs> so let's move on to the things that have been challenging
1: I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I, okay, so I'll, I'll go first. Um, I know one of the things that's been challenging is just the amount of change. So we we're told, okay, you're going to do this, and then it has to change. And then, like, the governor the, on Monday was like, oh, and school's going to look different. And we're like, oh, uh, what? what? <laughs> we weren't even prepared for that. We're just trying to get to the end of this year, and now you're telling us the school year next year is going to be, like, half day or something different. And that's been just the... Every day, something else changes. And that's been what's really hard.
1: That That is very true. I likened it to trying to board a train that's moving 100 miles an hour. So, mm-hmm. you know, at, with luggage yes. <laughs> and children <laughs> in tow. Yes. <laughs> so, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. Uh, it is almost impossible to, to even think about what that would look like, but that's absolutely what we've been tasked to do because there has been so much that has um, happened in a very short period of time and we've had to be responsive to not only what's right in front of us but anticipating the unintended um, implications and things that we need to deal with in addition to what's right in front of us. So Uh, In thinking about remote learning and getting all of this out there very quickly, then it begs the question and I'm sure you don't want to hear about it, but I'm going to talk about it anyway. Not every family has access to to the technology and to internet and uh, how do we address that and what what happens? I know that we were very proactive in getting packets out uh, to all of the families in the district, so kudos to you. I know you had a big role in making sure that that happens. Um, and one of the things in doing that, even, was finding out that we have a lot of families that hadn't updated their contact information. Yes. <laughs> so there's, there's a B for every A that we do. <laughs> so for everything we do, it's like, oh, okay, so now what What do we do with this? Um, so materials and supplies has been a challenge, making sure that there is equity in access to those things to the greatest degree that we possibly can. Uh, so that is something I, I believe that we will continue to deal with throughout the end of the quote-unquote school year through June uh, as parents are engaging in that at different levels. I think one of the other challenges is that there are going to be uh, variances in the amount of support the students have access to at home and we know that that's a reality of everyone's world and we don't have control over that uh, And but we hope that students don't fall behind. That is my my greatest concern and and fear at this time is this shift in teaching and learning and what that platform looks like. We have students that were already struggling before this, so it is concerning where they're going to be at the end of this season and really trying to think ahead. How do we support them as we think about coming back to the school year and, and what that's going to look like? Because if we expect that there's, we already know that there's some, some differences. So how do we kind of close that gap or bridge that gap that, that exists there?
0: Yeah, that, and that has been something I think also just worrying about the health and safety of staff that are still interacting with families. You know, we had to give out Chromebooks, we had to, you know, we give out meals every day and just make sure that those, those people stay safe because we want them to be safe. We don't want anybody um, coming down with the, the virus.
1: Right. So that that is uh, safety and health and well-being is at the forefront of everything that we're doing right now and trying to make sure that 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 is a priority and is maintained as a priority is one of the reasons that we're doing the remote working and the remote learning and and trying to honor the safer at home intent to the greatest degree that we possibly can. So it's it's a challenge. And I know one of the other challenges that uh, exist is the fact that there's been a lot that's been thrown into the laps of of our parents and our guardians um, to the families. A lot of responsibility overnight. Not that they didn't have a lot of responsibility before, but now you add the child's going to be home every day, and by the way, parents, you have the, the responsibility of teaching them. We'll provide you with resources, but... You need to make sure that that they're doing this work and and being supported in a manner that they need to be supported. That's a big ask with one child. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) You can imagine, feel the pain. My daughter and son-in-law have six children and, and different ages, different grades, but it is She just has me in stitches when she's talking about pulling out her hair and telling me about her day as a stay-at-home mom and trying to make sure that they're all doing their assignments. Because, it, you know, computer sharing, computer time, sharing the, the time they're not in the same grade, whereas sometimes you have a class of students, but they're all learning the same stuff. So, when you have children that are different ages, it can be quite a balancing act. So uh, my deepest empathy goes out to the families that are doing this. And, and I know and hope they understand that we feel their pain. Yes. I'm trying to be sensitive
0: to that. Yeah, um, my, my brother who has four kids at home, he's got a kindergartner. And I think they've just let him go feral. They, they don't even make sure he has clothes on anymore. He's just, you know... <laughs> I just think, oh my gosh, I'm trying to work from home, which I don't like at all. I like coming in to use my my regular work computer. It's much more powerful than my laptop. I'm thinking at least I'm not trying to educate children at the same time while I'm trying to work. That would just be so
1: difficult. It would be difficult. I can't even imagine trying to do my job and then trying to make sure that they have what they need as well. And we have a lot of families that are doing that, families that we serve and and our own families, people that work for us, for the district, that have their own families that are tasked with trying to support it from the teaching end or uh, doing their job that they normally do here for the the school district and then taking care of family at home. So it is more than a notion as a community, I think, or as a country, even as a nation, they, they shift. That this is involved results in a lot of, of uh, fear and frustration and anxiety so it's not enough to say stay safe we just need to continue to remind people of the importance of being positive um, checking on each other to make sure if you need a break make sure help hopefully we can help facilitate a break or at least uh, if we can't be there virtually, we'll give them a break. And <laughs> I haven't had a break. In,
0: I haven't had a break in about five weeks now. So. <laughs> it's, it's your break. <laughs> <No>. Uh oh. <laughs> so using your crystal ball. Oh, God. What 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 do you anticipate today, and I know that's gonna change, for next school year? What do you think will be some of the changes? Well,
1: that is my crystal ball broke during all of this. I just want <laughs> you to know, I had it out, I shook it up, and dropped it. <laughs> so I, I do truly wish I knew. I know that uh, given the access to all of the different agencies and the information that I do monitor on a regular basis, also from the Department of Public Health, uh, it is concerning that the numbers continue of, of people identified positive as well as fatalities continues to be pretty consistent, if not growing. Um, I know that, and as you're probably fully aware, Governor Newsom recently outlined six indicators to determine when it's safe to relax the whole social distancing measures and reopen the state. And that in and of itself is kind of daunting because when you look at those six measures, and I'm just gonna share them with you really quickly, The ability to monitor and protect our communities through testing, contact contact tracing, isolating and supporting those who are positive or exposed. That's huge. The ability to prevent infection in people who are at risk for more severe COVID-19. The ability to prevent infection. So that's a big indicator. The ability of the hospital and health systems to handle surges. The ability to develop therapeutics to meet the demand the ability for businesses schools and child care facilities to support physical distancing i don't know about you rebecca yeah <laughs> you get two kindergartners in the room i don't know how long i can keep them six feet apart i just don't
0: know well and you think about the size of our classrooms i used to teach sixth grade and when you get 32 33 kids in one of those portable buildings there's no way to social distance. I don't know how to do and that.
1: I, I'm i not sure how you do that. And you can put little, I mean, you go to the grocery store and you see little X's in the aisles and you know where to stand. And now I've gone in a few stores and they have directional arrows as well. So you go up one aisle and down the other. Well, the kindergartners, they don't care what those X's are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they don't care about the directional arrows. And can we teach them? Yes, but... That's not what they go to school for. That's not what we have uh, really trained them to do. So one of the important components of school is socialization. So it is going and teaching those social skills. So uh, that is part of what we normally, that's part of the school experience that we normally incorporate into our day to day is teaching those skills. It's going to be very difficult to move forward in this new environment. Now, with that being said, you know, you know, our model, our our <laughs> options and excellence. That's, That's right. The,
0: <laughs> we'll figure it out sometime. So
1: <laughs> this, this is going to be. Oh, this is going to give a whole new meaning to options and excellence as we move forward. Because um, the I don't know about a new normal. I don't know when we will reach a new normal. I think we're going to continue to evolve as this situation continues to develop, because there's going to be, uh, it's going to be a long period of time before they have uh, a vaccine and that they're able to get these like six indicators in place. And in between that time, we're going to have to consider how are we responding in the moment to what the demands are, as far as social distancing, as far as any safer at home executive orders that may be in existence in our community community or in our county. So as the need arises in particular communities, I think every school district in every community is going to have to figure out how to be responsive very quickly to what's happening in your community. Because they were forecasting the possibility of maybe another surge in the fall. Um, so getting it under control and then when the flu season starts to roll back in, possibly seeing yet another surge of coronavirus. So I'm not sure. I don't think it's going to look like it looked pre-school closures. Mm-hmm. Uh, exactly what that's going to be, I'm not sure. I am hoping to be engaged in um, some task force conversations that explore different options, uh, what, it could, what it could possibly look like, because there's lots of different scenarios and the other piece that people are forgetting is not every family is going to feel safe in sending their child back to school.
0: Yeah, uh, that's well, true. We've yeah. been we've asked um, Welcome Center to call people to do re- enrollments for next year, and there's several people who've said, "I don't want to come back to regular school." Like, oh well, that's good because we already have an alternative program. Lava's ready to go. Um, we can expand right. that program. It's a great online, fully online program. But yeah, I think parents will also have concerns about bringing kids back to a regular classroom.
1: Absolutely. So I think that that is something that we absolutely need to plan for. And while you've heard me often talk about expanding the LAVA program, maybe (laughs) now's the time that we're going to look at doing that in a fashion that we probably hadn't considered doing it before. But that is truly. Uh, going to have to be an option for many of our families because there's a lot that are not going to be ready in August to send their child back into a school setting with um, with large groups. So Yeah. So lots of work to be done, lots of conversations to engage in, and I think sooner than later we're going to find ourselves narrowing down to some viable options. And I don't think it's going to be one size. I, To be honest with you, I think it's going to be choices. Um, so that you, it's not one size fits all for anything. We may end up expanding our LAVA program. We may end up having some modified schedule opportunities available for people. We may end up having some full day schedules available for folks. We, It, it could be any combination of those things. So I think we're going to have to really think outside of the box and be creative and open to the fact that we may have to have multiple options available to best meet the needs of each child because each child is going to respond differently. Some children do very well with 100% remote learning. Some families are very comfortable with that. Others need more of a blended learning model um, that will allow the child to be a little bit more successful so that they don't fall behind. And then some need the full classroom-based, seat-based instructional program plan. So looking at, okay, where does that lie as far as number of seats and number of children in each type of program? Not sure, but I'm We're going to come up with the answer real soon, that's for sure. (laughs) Because we don't have
0: any other choice. (laughs) We
1: don't have any other choice. All right. Well, thank you
0: for joining me uh, via Google Meet for this podcast because we're social distancing. We're practicing those same behaviors. I'd like to give a community shout out to Adam Slater at CDW. We buy a lot of our technology through them. Adam's our rep, and he always makes things happen for us. We needed um, licenses to Adobe Pro and we sent him just the paper copy of the PO, and um, he got it before we even sent him the money. So that was very helpful. We're, we're glad that, that we had that relationship.
1: Helpful. Bless his heart. Thank you very much, Adam.
0: <laughs> so you can find this podcast on iHeartRadio, Sprecher, iTunes, SoundCloud. Uh, go ahead and subscribe to us so you don't have to always have me send you the link. And um, have a great day, and keep safe.
1: Thanks so much.
0: Bye-bye.